Game Awards recap. And our thoughts on it. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always... Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 142. And another in the month of December, our Christmas Triangle Squared podcast. Again... We hope that you all enjoy the uh, the great mood that we're setting because we sure as hell do <laughs> with the fire pace crackling. And I'm not heard anybody say that they're hearing the crackling, so it's a good thing for them. It's a, it's probably, a better thing for us, but it's better for us because I, I enjoy the cracking. I yeah, don't know why too. it helps. It's like a train of thought thing. I don't know if the white noise helps with it, but. We are, of course, a PlayStation-based podcast, though we do talk about all the competition from not only the manufacturing side, like what we see Microsoft and Nintendo do in relation to Sony, what we'd like to see them do that we see the competition doing, but what we'd also like to see, or what we also see the competition doing that we don't necessarily want to see Sony do, all the way to the publishing side of things where we see Sony uh, and their publishing tendencies and how that goes against some of the other publishers and the things the way that they do things. But um, if... You want to, just so we can get this out. If you want to watch us, of course, you can do so on YouTube. Uh, you can see us in video format and watch the lovely set that we have put together for those of you who enjoy that type of thing. Or you can just go over to podcast services and give us a listen. Uh, iTunes, Google Play Music, Pod, uh, Podbean, which have an app. Bunch of cool stuff. If you want to be part of our community's take section, which we do coming up here shortly after we really get going with the show, uh, where we ask the community at the end of every episode uh, a question and then repost it on social media midweek and kind of get y'all's feedback on a question and see what the community thinks about any given topic, then you could do so by finding us on social media. Uh, you can do Twitter at Triangle SQRD. You can find us on Facebook in uh, Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. It's a group that you can ask to be entered into. We will gladly receive you in there. Uh, or, of course, you can join our day-to-day moments moments uh, with our Discord. Um, and the link for that is always in the description below. Of course, if you are watching us on YouTube or if you are using Podbean, you can always respond to those uh, in the comment section and we'll look at those as well. Um, I don't think anybody's done those yet, but Mm-mm. regardless, it's always an option for you. Though I think that for a lot of people, social media is a little bit easier. But I know some people like Saul don't want to have social media. So kind of balances out. Or if you want to use YouTube, we like to have that option open. Uh, And, of course, we got to start to show off the correct way. And that is with me asking Saul what he's been up to. But before we get there, I do want to say a couple things just so I don't forget about them. Uh, We are still doing our Game of the uh, Year, the Community Game of the Year thing, uh, where if you want to, you can send a list. Uh, and I'll give the instructions out just in case you are skipping an episode and coming back through. Uh, we have an email set up to it, uh, for it. Thanks uh, to our community member, Blake, and he has it set up. So where the email is triangle squared, fully spelled out, G-O-T-Y at gmail.com. Send us a list of your top 10 games of the year. And the way the list will end up working out, just so you can know how you're doing it, is that the first game on the list will be worth 10 points, second game, nine points, all the way down until the 10th game is one point. So the game that you think was the best this year, put it at the top. But of course, we're going to use the remainders to determine the runner-ups. Uh, so so the, that was a great idea, and I loved it. But. Yeah, the game you want to win needs to have the highest points. Exactly. So I'm real interested to see, because we've been talking about this uh, really for a lot of the year is that it's been a really interesting year with no clear winner. And it's the interesting thing about the game of the year stuff this year is I think it's that it's hard to determine. Is it just that there's not a game that's head and shoulders above the rest, which I think I lean towards thinking is like, well, there's not one that stood out as obviously at least to me, Mm -hmm. or if it's that there's been a lot of great games. So instead of 
unlike before where God of, you know, God of War comes out and it's like you play it and you're like, oh, something about this clicked with me in a way that just puts it immediately above everybody else. I don't necessarily think that that, that means that this year has had less games of, of impact. I just think that the impact has been more similar across them, so it's harder to feel like there's an immediate winner, at least for me. And I think Saul feels similar. Nope, opposite. Really? So yeah. you, there's a game in your mind that is 100% that you just not, I know you, I know we're being coy on ours. Yeah. Cause yeah. we don't want people well, to know. I mean, until it's the final opposite episode. also in the retrospect of what you're saying and that there's not been a lot this year for me. So that it's very clear and concise for the game of the year winner. That's actually, yeah. I, for you, I do. I remember that being different. There, this is a year that you started. Because I didn't your, really enjoy Days Gone, which is up there with a lot of people. But you so, also haven't played considerably, yeah. unless I'm unless I'm wrong and you went back to it. No, but. like four hours, five hours. Yeah. Um, so. But uh, Sekiro was good, but I never finished it. Um, so yeah, it's just a, it's a mixed bag this year for us. So this is gonna be a really interesting game of the year. It's actually a problem I've had this year too. Some games that I thought I'd be very excited for, and I was excited for them, started playing them, and for some reason didn't finish them. Uh, that's been an interesting thing about this year too, and I don't know if it's on the games or my time or being an growing adult. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to say. But anyway, with that out of the way, the other thing I want to uh, go ahead and announce, uh, and I'm not going to be starting it. Last year, I just did it in general, just uh, 12 days in a row. Uh, and I know that that's not necessarily what the 12 days of Christmas are. They actually start on Christmas and go through January or whatever. Um, but with that said, I am going to be doing the Triangle Square 12 Days of Christmas again on Twitter and uh, and social media. It's a little easier for me to just run it on Twitter than it is to do on Facebook. So I urge you, if you want to go into that, and uh, every day I'm going to have a different giveaway that we're going to do. It's really going to be something I'm probably going to primarily put on Twitter, though I may have one that's Patreon exclusive uh, just to have a little fun. Uh, and of course, thank you guys for supporting the show. Shouldn't so, that have started like two days ago? No, because the 12 Days of Christmas actually start after Christmas. What? And I and since it's not something that's really a traditionally American holiday, it's actually something that's a little more... Oh, by the way, I should go ahead and say... I wish I was made of shipping money. I actually covered last year all the 12 days of Christmas shipping out of my own pocket, which I enjoy. I have no problem doing that. But because of that, I can't ship you international. So this will be 12 days of Christmas stuff will be limited to our U.S. listeners. And I apologize for that. I wish I could do a little bit better. The Patreon one, because there are Patreon funds, I might have a little bit more and, and let it be all of our patrons, which plenty of you are uh, international. And we thank you so much for that. I mm-hmm. uh, just wanted to go ahead and throw that out so that there's no disappointment in the fact that these will be limited to the U.S. Uh, because I, if I was made of more money, I would I would be more kind and more generous. But I'm not. So I'm buying these presents on my own, not from Patreon money. I'm shipping them on my own just because I think that it's fun to do. I really enjoy doing it. Um, and, you know, it's it's the season of giving. Why not? I actually have an idea. Even better. Let's We'll, we'll talk about it later unless it's something. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, like, what if I included that as a gift? Well, we'll talk about it. It depends on who it is. We'll talk about they it. Might get a, they might get a real big surprise for me. Okay. But, but, we'll, um, we'll see how we Saul's end up going Saul's golden with ticket. <laughs> but, is that how we do it? I can get a golden ticket printed. Maybe so. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll talk about that. It's, uh, it's not enough value post. to trade in and, and not worth the hassle trying to sell on, like, Craigslist or something. So, yeah. Okay. But, um, well, there we go. A couple of little other things, too, right before we get into what we've been playing this week is that... This episode is going to be a little bit shorter than most, as will next episode uh, be a little weirder. So this episode, with it coming into Christmas, I got shopping to do, and this is the last day that me and my wife are off together to get it done. So we're, we're going to try to get it as close as we can as our normal time, but uh, I can already tell right now we're going to be a little under so far. But um, on top of that, next week we have to record super early into the week, where um, because next uh, weekend, the weekend that we would record episode 143, 
Uh, we would, I have Christmas plans every single day, starting Friday, going into late Sunday. So we're going to record on Wednesday so that there's probably going to be a lack of news. There's probably going to be a very flowing episode, but it is our game of the decade episode, right? Yes. That's so, what we're choosing to do yes. ahead of game of the year. We're going to have a discussion of the game of the decade. And I think that because of that way things are going, since it's going to follow up into it, we're going to go ahead and post it very quickly after the, this goes up or whatever. So we can pull this off the right way. Uh, I think that I want to open that discussion up to that's the community's take is if you yeah, had I was to actually do us. Say that. So we'll remind that a at singular the end of the game thing. of the decade. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, but this, week uh for what i've been playing i have still not turned on my ps4 since last weekend um there's nothing ever since star wars ruined your since, life yeah became made me a bitter <laughs> old man but yeah it's kind of one of those weird things like where there's not a whole lot out on ps4 right now that i that that i want to play so i'm kind of just coasting on which seems to be like a, a kind of a thing throughout the end of the year. I may hop on to play Minecraft and such, which we were going to do Friday night, but mm-hmm. that kind of got spoiled with what we did Friday night. So, um, yeah, it, it's just one of those weird times like where it's it's kind of there's not a whole lot going on on that particular system. I am using my Switch pretty heavily. I've been playing a load of Breath of the Wild this week, so that's really kind of been it. Um, but what about you? Man, uh, I, I pl- started... And finished Devil May Cry 5. It's mm-hmm. not a very long game, so it's not really that hard to do. Um, again, I will go into a lot of these games when it comes more to the game of the year discussion because I will mention a lot of games. Uh, but just as kind of a more brief discussion on it, um, I was... With the beginning part of the game, the first, I'd say probably the first half, maybe even up to the first three quarters, but it, it, definitely the first half, uh, I felt like... It's a complaint that I've heard from Saul that I actually think is a completely warranted complaint. And I think it's one of those things where it determines, uh, based off of how interested you are in the lore at any given thing and how hyped you are behind something, you can let yourself become more blind to it. Because looking back at Kingdom Hearts 3, I agree with Saul's uh, thing, if you remember him talking about it, that the game will often take control completely out of your hands uh, frequently. Frequently. And, and the problem about it, the frequency is that it's like, there will be things that seem pointless in the upkeep where it'll let you control for three seconds after loading just to take it back away from you. Yeah. This is something that Devil May Cry 5 did a ton. Early, early, early. And even though, I mean, it, it did it, get better. It got better, yeah. But it's still, up until about the halfway point of the game, I felt like every 20 seconds something was happening. Um, so it, it kind of surprised me, and it got to the point of, since I didn't play 4, I didn't beat 4. I played very little of 4. Um, so I'm very hazy on anything from 4. So it's essentially like I just skip 4 and go into 5. So because of that, I do think that maybe some of the lore and the interest that would have otherwise dragged me in was gone, though there is the still overall thing where I think that Devil May Cry, 5, uh, Devil May Cry as a series has an interesting lore. Mm-hmm. But since I'm, I've been more removed from it more often... It wasn't as pulling, so maybe yeah. I just couldn't blind myself to it as much. But that is one issue that I had with it. Uh, it was very frustrating, and this is what surprised me. Even Hannah immediately was like, why does the game keep doing that? And I didn't even say anything, but she could. I guess you could tell I was frustrating, and she understood what it was. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. Someone who doesn't even play games was like, is that you playing? Yeah. No. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I thought was really interesting, and this is mainly coming off of the game as a whole, is that the it being on the Resident Evil engine, which, I mean, obviously it should be, considering that the game Devil May Cry, it's a series, started 
in what was intended to be a Resident Evil game. So, uh, but with the RE engine, which is a fantastic engine, and they've used it to great, uh, great extents, um, I was really surprised to come off of a game on the RE engine, Resident Evil 2, that doesn't load at all once you start playing, uh, and you play the entirety of the game with no load windows. Uh, maybe they are cleverly hidden behind cutscenes, but those cutscenes are, are necessary for the story, uh, and if they're doing a job of hiding the loading, then they're doing the job correctly. Whereas this game... Uh, would often load load. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think some of that comes to what I actually, the, my final thing to kind of think about it um, is that the game as a whole, while it did get better and I think more interesting in terms of offering something new to the genre of, uh, of hack and slash action, uh, for the most part, I really feel like this game is a example, and I think some people really wanted this, so I'm not counting as a negative towards the game so much as a reason that I don't think I clicked with it as well as I should have. The game is full of very old game design to me, yeah. and it's something that a lot of games in this genre have gotten over, uh, and, uh, and even long ago i think a lot of the complaints i had with this were already being rectified in a game like god of war 3 which is you know at, at this point a 10 year old game um, i think it kind of works well for what it was doing um in terms of being older style well i think it's because it, it's trying to return like you have you have dmc right yeah and then you're trying to return with the idea of hey we're coming back to double may cry and it's what I often say about Gears of War 4, where it's a new developer coming in. Well, this wasn't a new... Well, it, it was kind of a new developer. It was the same developer coming back after somebody else had touched the franchise. Yeah. It was kind of like, hey, we need to show you up front that we understand what can make a good DMC game or Devil May Cry game. Yeah, and and it, I had a really fun time with it, but it, it's it's one of those games that's contribu uh, contributing to this year. of like That's not Game of the Year material. Not at all. And I actually think that that's my most immediate takeaway is that while being a perfectly good game, and I really did enjoy it by the time it was done, uh, there is not an ounce of that game that is game of the year worthy to me. Uh, and mainly just because I think that that genre almost doesn't exist in the way that they're doing it. And I'll give them points for doing something that I think has been going on a lot this year, which is games coming back with very old design things. And I think some of those are compelling and interesting, like Resident Evil 2 bringing back the idea of uh, things that you don't see very often in games like digging into your menu and having to examine something and spinning around. It's uh, more obtuse, but it's more interesting because of it. Whereas I think some of the things are going back in an effort to look like an, a time past, but that time passed for a reason. And um, I think that that's the, I don't like the idea of uh, the game constantly be bro being broken up into mission structures. It really yeah. kind of, uh, it really threw the flow off. But I know that when you have a game that's so tied into trying to be stylistic and giving you a grade on that, you have to have a point in which it grades you. I wish that they would have opted for it to just be dynamic. And by the time you beat the game, you actually see your overall style points at the end of the game and say, hey, throughout your entire campaign, this is what we grade you. That'd Instead cool. of trying to break that up into a mission by mission. But I also understand that that comes in with stuff because you're breaking it across different characters and a number of different things. Uh, it would overall hurt your impact if you were being graded across your entire game when you are having to learn a character, when they're introducing new playable characters halfway through the game and stuff like that. So there's a lot of things that I think fight against its ability to try and do something new. But even though it did something old, I still appreciate it. It just also made me realize that I appreciate where games have gone since then uh, in, in a positive way. And because of that, even though I thought it was a little bit grating, it wasn't as bad as it otherwise could have been because it's kind of, it, it's interesting. It served as a way to remind you of how far games have come while also being a nice nod back to the past. Yeah. But it's still, I, I think I still would have preferred it to not be there at all. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, well. 
Um, so yeah, I uh, finished that up, uh, and I took a little bit of break after that. Still not played Pokemon. I'm probably, if I'm being dead honest, I'm probably going to trade it in. I have no interest in playing that game at all uh, anymore. Uh, but I may hold on to it just on the off chance. Uh, for the time being, though, I did finally start and got about an hour and a half or two hours under my belt of the Outer Worlds, and so far I love it. I'm not going to say much more than that because I need to play more of it. But the immediate thing is... I enjoy how much it is just very Fallout-ish when Fallout is misstepping a lot. Yeah. On top of having, because it's a little bit more pulled back than Bethesda's style of games where everything is interactable, which as much as I enjoy that and it kind of would be nice in this, I also appreciate that it's almost a little bit more Bioshock in the way of not everything is able to be interacted with, but everything that can be interacted with is probably important about the fact that you can interact with it. Yeah. So great game so far. And, uh, I'm really interested. In it. Do you have, have you played it at all? Did you No, I meant to start it this weekend, but Christmas shopping has been so crazy. So mm-hmm. I haven't really had a chance. I think that you will enjoy it from what I know you like about the Bethesda games. But I will be definitely interested to see. Okay. Uh, great character writing so far. It comes back to what, what I actually think Bethesda has often failed at in comparison to Obsidian when you compare like Fallout 3 to Fallout New Vegas and Fallout New Vegas to Fallout 4. Fallout New Vegas has infinitely more interesting characters, uh, and I love that. And bringing back the ability to have a dumb option even though i'm not doing it i still love that when you're building your character you can go through and make him an idiot yeah so that dumb dialogue options come and people treat you different and have an entirely different arc that can play out and give Was them a conversation no not at all but four also did not only had four responses to everything yeah which i think was a misstep but yeah either way uh great stuff and i'm, I'm glad to be into it so uh but i guess that moves us on to the community stake you think so yeah we're good okay uh community stake was very simple uh, of course, last week, on a very short notice, uh, we were kind of talking about how State of Play has been so far and what we think it could do to surprise us, which I actually got to give it its credit in that it surprised me, but we'll talk about that in a second. But since it passed, the way we kind of wanted to do the 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 community state question, since it was going to be after, uh, the, by the time we reposted, it was going to be after, was to essentially look at State of Play as a whole and say, did this one did you enjoy this one? And as a whole, how do you understand? So the question I gave was with the first year of state of play under our belts, how do you feel about the current format and execution of them? Did this last one manage to sway your opinion to where it is now? Uh, or more or less, did it not affect you at all? Um, so I guess the last part of that question was, did this most recent state of play pull you into liking it more or did it further dislodge you from, from having any kind of, uh, uh care toward them? Uh, so we got a, a multitude of responses. Um, Saw, I'm going to let you handle the Twitter ones. If you Can you get those pulled up? Yeah. And I'll go handle the Facebook ones as well as uh, we can bounce back and forth on the Discord ones. Um, yeah, so to lead off with Twitter, our good buddy says, uh, or our good buddy says, our good buddy Tyler Haynes says, still don't like us, give us back E3 and PSX, you cowards. Which I actually think is, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hit Agreeable. or miss on them, but I'm hit or miss on the state of play so far. Uh, but I definitely agree with, if nothing else, PSX needs to come back. Whether there's announcements or not, I think PSX needs to exist as a fan event. I've said it a million times. I don't know why they wouldn't do it. That's as much as I'll say about that at this particular moment. Uh, over on Facebook, we had Mr. Josh Ayers say, I like State of Play. They are finding their footing, sure, but I've liked all of them. I do believe the last few years of Sony's press conferences have swayed how we look at their announcements. Shu said years ago on Podcast Beyond, when creating their announcements for conferences, they want to have something for everyone, and not every game will excite everyone, but State of Play being quick to the point that it is, is great. Nintendo Directs are great, but I don't want a 40-minute one- 
to get, I don't want a 40 minute one, get to the point and go. Um, and I think that directs have seen a lot. And maybe it's also because Nintendo kind of pioneered the, the direct style. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that they've gotten near as much flack, even though I have seen a number of directs that are just as disappointing to me personally, not as a general rule. I don't know how other people view them because I'm very outside of the Nintendo normal. Um, but I see the same weaknesses I see in some of the state of plays that have been complained about. Uh, so I think that Nintendo, by nature of Switch being just a very beloved thing right now, still being early in their life cycle and also pioneering the thing, they are somewhat uh, avoiding some of the issues just by nature of their goodwill and maybe some smart moves by like covering up some of the weaknesses with having people talk in a way that ends up coming off as charming. Um but yeah, I, I I kind of agree with them. I think that they're finding their footing, and I do feel like each state of play has gotten better than the last. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh, it's it is weird though because the day after or the day of state of play, I thought you know before I watch this, I'm gonna go to Reddit and see what all is on there, uh, so I kind of see what's up and I can get in a little bite sized things. So I'll I'll have work a little late that night. It's weird that all I saw was Axiom Verge two, and that was I thought that was part of the direct. It was actually the Nintendo Indies. It was or part of Ninten- the Nindies. Nindies or Nindies, yeah, whatever they've read. Yeah, I think it's Nindies. Uh, but yeah, um, I'm not surprised. I think that Indies have a much more of a reason to pull towards Nintendo right now. Um, for well, no, I'm just saying that, ability, but that, that I think that goes to show you the news we got from it in some people's eyes that Axiom Verge two is bigger than anything we got in the state of play. Because for some I, people, I, say, I mean, that is a weird one to kind of to gauge. But I, I, I get your point. The critique, the biggest critique I did see of it though was that don't why have a trailer for a trailer? Yes, that was actually. Um, I was very. Here's the thing. Why and it's the same way I felt about a lot of things. Why undermine your own um, franchise? Well, well, why why undermine? Are you or saying state of play is a franchise? Or well, yeah. Okay. Or no, I'm saying the game was. Okay. Well, I'm saying why underplay your own event if you're yeah. going to put something on like state of play that is meant to be a somewhat in lieu of traditional um, conferences and more bite sized. Like if you're taking one conference and spreading it out throughout the year with some added stuff into it as well. Why disservice your own thing like that when you could easily show that trailer at your state of play and give your state of play more substance and more justification? And I think a lot of people really, really enjoyed that. But there is some benefit, I think, to, of course, having a having a relationship with Jeff Keighley and, of course, with the... You can go ahead and take it. Uh, and, of course, with the... Um, with Game Awards as a whole, because the Game Awards as a whole is one of the biggest nights in gaming. So getting eyes on that I, it may no have, no no. It is the biggest night in gaming. I I don't know enough about the nights of gaming in terms of outside of here. That's just their slogan. So I just I leave that alone. I know that there are a lot of people that say that, and I think that there's plenty of evidence that points towards that. But I don't know enough about the stuff that goes on overseas and how that goes from a attendance standpoint to how many people watch the conferences on stream. All that stuff is I don't know. I I, I don't want to speak of clear. But regardless, the point being is that. It makes me wonder if the reason that Sony opted to do what they did with the um, with the Ghost of Tsushima trailer that played uh, the first not even half but like the first quarter of in the state of play just to tease that they're going to show the rest of the trailer in at the Game Awards to to the credit of Sony in terms of Ghost of Tsushima it's a huge game that they want to get in front of as many people as possible and because state of plays have been less than what everybody's been wanting at least from the way the online uh, feedback is going for them they might have opted to 
in lieu of putting it in the state of play, which might have helped the state of play, but not has seen as many people go to the game awards where you're putting it in front of more people, including people who don't play PlayStation. And there is an importance in that that I do understand in that you are able to market a game like Ghost of Tsushima to people who may not currently be invested in your system, and this might be the one game that puts them there. So yeah, it's the whole point of exclusives as far as Sony sees them is the idea of being a system seller, something you can only do on their thing. You see that from what Sean Layden talks about with the requirements for what they do, where it's either first, best, uh, or I, I got to remember his, his thing. How am I forgetting this? Um First, best are, man, it's going to kill me. What is that, his standards? or? It's, yeah, it's the, um, it, it's essentially the requirements that they look at when they go through and say, hey, this is our requirements when we're looking at what first party is doing. It's either got to be first, it's got to be the first of its kind doing something, it's got to be the best if it's doing something that already exists. Uh, and I think that there's, I can't remember the third one, and it's really killing me, and I'm, I apologize for that. But even then, the first two really go in there. It's got to be something that's either the first of its kind, so showing off something like Dreams, which is, of course, unmatched. Nobody's done something quite like it. If you ain't um, first or last. <laughs> and then, of course, on the other side of things, uh, doing something the best where l- plenty of people look at things like uh, Horizon Zero Dawn uh, or stuff like that that look at these are all mechanics that we've seen are slight changes that we've seen in other games uh, being presented in a fashion that's just really good uh, and and considered best of their kind. So um, I, I think that goes into it is that you want to put that kind of stuff in front of somebody's face so that they can look and go, hey, maybe this is a game that pulls me into this ecosystem. So to their credit, I'll do them that one. Do um, you want to throw another one off Twitter real quick and then I'll bounce and get a couple off of Discord? Yeah, so our good buddy Lone Dragon 99 says, the last one was better in terms of... Oop. Click the button. The last one was better in terms of them all. Uh, of them all, kind of wish the big announcements weren't leaked for a bigger impact on them, and still wish they kind of do more. Uh, do more Nintendo still where there's a big reveal to hook you in with another big reveal. So basically, a a big reveal to hook you in to something that you may look forward to in the future, I guess, or maybe yeah, even kind of like the Breath of the Wild two moment, yeah. and, and whatnot. Um, or even on the directs, they'll do that occasionally um, with things like suddenly coming out with big reveal of like, oh hey, we're good. And I, it seems weird for some people, but doing something like um, the uh, what is the game that has Sheik in it? I'm not Sheik. I'm sorry. Um, Shulk is his name. Oh, uh, Xenoblade. Xenoblade, yes. Uh, so doing something like that, doing a full remake of Xenoblade Chronicles, um, is was a big re- a reveal. Of course, Breath of the Wild stuff like that is. Um, it did seem weird to not end on a note of something big. Uh, if you look at this as more of a replacement for E3, but I think that that's kind of the thing is that there's not, they've, they've been very keen in what they say going into it of, um, you look at it and say, okay, updates from first party. They'll say updates from Sony worldwide studios, uh, which by the way, Saul, uh, did I, I guess that they were going to be a, uh, an update and potentially a date for, uh, Predator Hunting Grounds, and I was correct. You are. I think that was the only correct thing we got out of that entire video. <laughs> uh, I mean, we were right on, of course, Kingdom Hearts being there because of, it was leaked and it was obvious that they would do that there. Uh, we, of course, had the Resident Evil 3 leak. A lot of it came down to it was hard to guess outside of that, but the one thing I do want to say real quick, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw one else in here before we do that. Uh, due to the lack of an actual trade show appearance, I am highly disappointed with the State of Play series. This last one was the best one yet, but it still felt like it should 
be a supplement if they would have played uh, if they would have had playstation experience and e3 then these would be fine but without a personal connection these felt lacking now if they would have done the cerny interviews on them weird as hell they did them with the wired in my opinion it would have helped a ton to sway me so i think he's talking about the cerny interviews that uh they put out with wired in regard to the playstation 5 uh and again as much as I agree that it would have helped the state of place, I do think that it comes from the state of play having the problem of being something that's aimed at existing PlayStation uh, fans who are going to go out and seek this information out and see it anyway on the Wired interview. But the Wired interview will also get in the eyes of people who may not be PlayStation consumers yet, uh, even though that's hard to believe when you have a console that's, you know, breaking 100 million sales in as short of a time as it has. But the point still stands is this is to get it in front of more people's faces than anything else. I still do agree that we're, we're, they haven't completely found their footing, even if I agree that, that they've done the best thing yet. But to go back to what genuinely did surprise me, I would have never guessed it, is, um, and, and it makes me wonder still, because we haven't seen anything say otherwise, is the return of Babylon's Fall, mm -hmm. which was a big... The, the teaser was very cool. I liked Platinum. It was Platinum coming off of the high uh, that of uh, Near Automata for them, which has been their best-selling game ever that they've made. Uh, so, of course, you kind of keep looking at that. I was excited to see what it was, and now that we have, the fact that it was shown at State of Play does make me wonder if they're going to continue to leverage their friendship and position with Square Enix and try and have that game be a, uh, an exclusive uh, or a timed exclusive of some sort. Uh, for better or worse, wherever you stand on that, I still think it would be something that we've seen before, and I think that the past would show that this is something that could clearly happen. Um, and I was really surprised that it was not only another trailer, but it was actually gameplay, uh, and I love that, and we're going to see more of it coming into the next year. And considering that we are ahead of the thing, the upside to all of this is for everybody who really wants them to have E3, I am almost confident that we see E3 from Sony this coming year with the PlayStation 5 on the horizon. There's a lot that they have to get out. There's a lot that they're going to try and do. I really also expect a PlayStation event. If they don't, and they continue to do these wired interviews in the lieu of that, and then finally come out with a bunch of information at E3, I wouldn't be too surprised either. Uh, but I think we're all kind of going to get what we want with this next coming year because Sony has something to really say, and they have a reason to show up. And regardless of whether we all feel it's for the best or not, I think Sony have had at least some wisdom in knowing not to show up at an event that you don't have enough to show for. Um, and again, for better or worse, I really wish that they would be at those events, but not if it's going to make them look worse than they, you know, going in, if they look worse going, uh, if they look worse leaving than they did going in, then does it really benefit them? Yeah. For the amount of money and time and, and resources that have to go into that. Um, so anything else you want to cap off with? So no, I think that was covered pretty well. Okay. I want to throw one small one in from Ken Nace. Uh, he says, I really like the format and length personally. I'd rather Sony keep doing this than go back. Oop. I messed up too. Saul, you gave me your fumble fingers. Uh oh. I'd rather Sony keep doing this than go back to doing 90 minute plus press conferences. Uh, and the main reason I wanted to say that is it does offer someone who's on the complete opposite side of not necessarily wanting them to go back to an E3 level event. So interesting around the board. I mean, you know, yeah. and who knows what we'll see. I just think that Sony has, and we've heard Sean say it when he was in the chair, Sony wants to put themselves out there when they feel like they have something to actually gain from being there. And that E3 is changing. And we've seen E3 being changing from the fact that they let people attend it now to the way that they change the way the, that the conferences work out. 
it makes sense that we're seeing this. We're seeing more and more companies not do it. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting thing to see how E3 evolves in the coming years and if it becomes more of a trade event, uh, more of a fan event than a trade event, like it was originally, uh, been, it was originally envisioned as and has been for 20 plus years at this point. Um, but anyway, thank you all for contributing to the place uh, to the uh, community state question. We love to hear from we, you. We enjoy it. Uh, so I guess from there we're going to go ahead and hop into the news. And the weird thing about the news here is I purposely avoided because we're going to talk about everything. I assume that when you have something as big as the Game Awards, that you've seen it, or at least if you didn't get to watch it in real time, you went back and watched it, or at least looked at a recap of what was announced if you didn't want to be bombarded with commercials. So. With that said, I actually chose to go through and look at things that I think may have slipped under the radar for plenty of people that they might still find interesting. So the first thing of that is that with the full reveal of Resident Evil 3 that happened during the state of play, Capcom have brought back the Resident Evil 2 remake demo, originally titled the one-shot demo, but it, will, it does not have a time limit this time. Uh, and featuring a little nod to the upcoming 3 remake in it as well with a new Easter egg that's placed. Uh, as soon as you enter the police department, if you go directly back outside and go over, you can actually hear nemesis uh screaming the little stars line that he does so kind of cool yeah kind of cool uh thing to add into it uh next thing up though if you were worried that saul's experience with jedi fallen order uh might hit you the developers have released another patch fixing the remaining bugs of various severity uh, as well as adding in photo mode and the ability to remove a visual aspect introduced to the lightsaber later in the story, if you so please, with a simple toggle in the customization menu, which is great to see. They didn't have to do that. It wasn't doing anything other than just annoying parts of the fan base. Listening to your fan base and doing something that simple was, was a great idea. I don't want to say too much. Um, essentially, it affected the way that your double, depending on when you got it, it affected the way your double-sided black, uh, lightsaber would look like symmetrically. And there's a reason that it's in there for the story and it's important. And it also introduces another cool combat mechanic, but it did mess with the visual aspect of one thing for people that just really wanted to be able to control that aspect. Now you can. Okay. So cool to see either way. I like when you see uh, people listening to their fan base. Uh So good to see Uh, next up announced from the start with a detonation uh, denotation to quote, play it first on PlayStation four End quote. We finally know just how much of a lead PlayStation gets on final fantasy seven with the reveal of the game's official cover art, having a note that is a timed exclusive until March 3rd, 2021. So a full one year exclusivity window. Um, so if you're on the Xbox side of the aisle or for some reason wanted to play this on the Xbox side of the aisle, uh, there you go. That's when you're going to get it. And I would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, I should say, if we get a PC version of this uh, as well because Square seems keen on keeping their PC audience up. Uh, whether it's delayed or if they use this one-year window to release the Xbox version and the PC version simultaneously, hmm. who knows? But uh, the, the the Royal Edition that released on PC for Final Fantasy 15 was quite an improvement in, uh, in terms of just how the game looked and ran. So impressive, and I'm, it's good for them to do that. You know, why not give the people who have that power the ability to tap into it? Uh, next up, even with Black Friday behind us, PlayStation isn't done with the holiday deal starting December 15th, the day that we were recording, Sunday, until December 28th. 
PlayStation is offering up last-minute deals with the likes of the only-on-PlayStation PS4 bundle that they did for Black Friday. But instead of $199, it's $250. Still a good deal. It comes with a one-terabyte PlayStation, The Last of Us Remastered, God of War, and Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition. Uh, Days Gone will be available for $20. Death Stranding will be available for $40 and more deals, with some being exclusive to PlayStation's direct store that they started earlier this year, like the ability to buy two select games, save 30% on your purchase, and buy three select games, save 50% off your purchase. So if you just, you know, not everybody had the money to do what they wanted to for Black Friday, so this gives you another opportunity all the way through past Christmas, which is nice to see. Next up, a new patent filed just days ago shows us ideas of what areas PlayStation is tinkering in with regards to their eventual PSVR follow-up. The patent shows a wireless unit, which is among the first, uh, among the most requested features we've seen for the headset with descriptions of how the headset will go about receiving the audio and visual uh, signals over a wireless connection, as well as describing an improved means of determining if the user is wearing the headset correctly and how the best position how to best position it for optimal visual experience. In case you've never used a PSVR on the current headset, you kind of have to do all this manually. You have to kind of look, and if it looks hazy to you, you kind of got to play with it and slide it in and out and up and down until you kind of see where it's at its most clear for you. Uh, this will make this a lot easier. The headset would use ultrasound to detect the position of the user's eyes so that it could build an image of where the eyes are and then tell you exactly how to adjust it so that you get the optimal performance. Which is good because some some headsets right now are doing a thing where they'll use an internal camera to scan your eye, but That's because cool. of because of the visual differences in everybody's skull and how their eyes are, sometimes your eye is actually out of the field of view of the camera, so it just doesn't work. So being able to do an ultrasound sensor would be able to overcome this for any skull shape, any kind of if you have recessed eyes or more protruding eyes, all of that. It's a good idea, but it doesn't mean they're going to do it either. Remember, patents are never guaranteed but this does at least show us that this is the areas that they're thinking about when designing the new headset and i do think that wireless is a big deal for them so yeah maybe that means we finally get it um next up mortal kombat follows an ever-expanding lineup of games adding cross-platform play or in this uh, case cross play with a k oh i hate Mortal Kombat. <laughs> with the announcement i at this point it's, it's not it's, even charming. It's just I don't I, I expect it. So you are right. It's lost its appeal as a uh, as kind of just a little charming and endearing thing. I don't hate it. It just I, I feel indifferent about it now. Uh, anyway, the feature is considered to be in beta, and it's coming in this latest patch. Uh, and therefore, may experience some issues if you were trying to use it. But the feature can be turned on and off manually. Uh, so if you've been waiting for that, it's just another game that shows that PlayStation is for sure moving forward with cross-platform play as they keep going along. I think Minecraft is probably the biggest example of that. So yeah, always is going to be. Um, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles HD remaster has been delayed from its original release later next month to a more vague summer 2020 with Square saying the remaster is to allow the dev team extra time to make final adjustments to the game in an effort to make it the best possible experience. Delays Good on are, them. Yeah, delays were never a bad thing. I assume that being this close to release, they wouldn't have done this unless they absolutely felt it was necessary. Um or if they really wanted to make sure that that Crystal Chronicles gets what it deserves and who knows. Some people I know are going to be disappointed by this, but think of it this way. This might be the return of Crystal Chronicles as a sub-franchise of Final Fantasy, if this does very well. You never know. 
Last, but certainly not least, depending on who you are and where you've been in the PlayStation crowd, a Vita favorite East memory, or YS, I always call it just East, Memories of Celsetta will be making its way to the PS4 during 2020. The game will be a remaster supporting 60 frames per second with full HD graphics and controls that are being overhauled to reproduce the touchscreen functions of the Vita version. Uh, thankfully, that game did not reply, rely too much on the back touchscreen, so I think a lot of this can be remapped to the extra buttons that we're going to have on this as well as the touchpad. Fantastic game, by the way. Very good. That's not the one I played, is it? Might have been. Did you play Origins, the top-down 2D Origins. One? I or- was like, I was like, that's not the same style. No, Origins is fantastic. But uh, Origins was a remake of a computer game. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah. Members of Celsetta was a Vita exclusive. Uh, but now no longer but anyway that wraps up the news i knew it was gonna be a little bit quicker but if those are things that may have slipped through your uh your radar and 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 not hit you that you may have been interested in hope i gave you something that you didn't already know but if uh if i didn't then just throw virtual eggs at me or something i don't know yeah yeah don't do that (laughs) so for those that uh that are woefully unaware of this past week we had the game awards sponsored and or not sponsored but hosted by our good buddy jeff Keegley, I swear it's Keegley, is it not? But everybody's, I hear he, it, I hear himself, it Keegley or Keeley. I just don't worry. I, even about himself it. said Keeley because I thought it was Keeley, and I used to pronounce it as Keeley till I heard someone say Keegley, and I'm like, oh, okay, so it's it's a it's a, a accent thing. No, yeah, okay. But if you've been living under a rock and missed the biggest night in gaming. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I was actually pretty impressed up until like the last 20 minutes. Last uh, 20 minutes was pretty bad. I was too. I think uh, I think that you would agree, but uh, we were all kind of talking about it. We had a uh, live reaction chat channel that was fun uh, going on in our Discord, which was fantastic um, for a number of different reasons. Uh, but the thing that I think I saw being the most immediate uh, criticism of it. Uh, is that the Game Awards have always had commercials and have always had product placement of various degrees. It felt very excessive this year. I felt like there were commercials more often, and I felt like the commercials ran for longer. See, for me, they didn't. I didn't feel that. But I don't remember. This is for a number of things. I don't remember the Game Awards starting this early usually, which is actually a great thing. Yeah. As soon as I saw they were starting this early, I was like, Saul's going to be happier. Happier. And then, but the the problem is, is they ran to about as late as I feel like they normally go anyway. Yeah, because don't they normally start around eight thirty and they go till about eleven? Yeah, I mean, I essentially. Think I think that's pretty much what we got. wasn't like 10.30 when it we ended. It was 7.30 for pre-show all the way to about close to 11. Um, so, yeah, it just it definitely felt longer, and it's hard to completely know if that was just because of more commercials. It felt like it a little bit to me, uh, but that's not, of course, this, that, that's just an overall critique of the thing. I still think the Game Awards does a lot for gaming, and I appreciate it. Um, and the last thing I'll say as an overall critique of it is it does what a lot of shows do, and it kind of bums me out that it happened this way and thankfully there are awards in very different manners that kind of somewhat deal with this problem is that the game awards by name make you think that you're going to be watching a show that is full of rewards that are the focus of the night and they're not it's um, the reveals the game Eddie. awards have 100% came more of a venue that is meant to to show reveals which i know that they put under the the uh the auspices of that they're doing it to celebrate gaming. And I'm not taking that from them. They, they are in, in a lot of ways, but I think that the other side of celebrating gaming with something that's supposed to be an award show is spending actual time and giving people awards. Um, 
And it does seem like the awards get very overshadowed by a number of different things, all the way from the fact that they want certain people to come out with certain gags to even introduce an award. I think that helped in some ways. There were parts of it that were very charming, and there were parts of it that kind of came off odd, uh, like Saul said, towards the very end. But A very drunk Vin Diesel making a a reveal for a PS2 game. I do think everybody's being a little... So we'll talk about that yeah, real quick. The game was terrible. Part of the reason that the ending was so weak uh, is that for the Game of the Year thing, not only do I think that it, uh, there didn't need to be an announcement at that point, if I'm being dead honest, but if there was going to be one, why not make it something that feels like a an impact, right? Um, and instead, what they choose to do is come out with a Fast and Furious game that looks like a... Last-gen game. Early to mid-gen PS3 game. It's not as bad as PS2, even though it's easy to want to make that joke. Um, But it really does, it does look like 2009 PS3 games. Um, And uh, that is what it is. Uh, (laughs) You know? Um, So yeah, Fast and Furious was a very odd choice to do that. Uh, And of course, the fact that they had old uh, Michelle Rodriguez mispronounced Tekken uh, to the point where what did she I say? I didn't even touch that. T Ken fighting games, and to the point that I didn't know what she was talking about. I didn't even think that it was Tekken because in my mind there was no way that T Ken could even be. I thought it was like the letter T hyphen Ken, and I was like, "What is this? Some kind of uh, Barbie and Ken fighting game they put out back in the day that I was completely unaware of as a uh, as a history gamer." Yeah, that looks like Driver um, San Francisco stuff like that. PS3 game. Which doesn't, it's weird because certain things look better. Like the shadows are more crisp than what you'd expect off of that, but it just stands to make the less than stellar character models stand out more. You know what I mean? It's a very odd thing. Go check out the, the reveal if you just want to. Don't. I'm not going to say suffer, but if you just want to look at something that was odd in a, in a time period, then, um, you know, I love Vin Diesel uh, in a lot of, I, for a lot of different reasons. I think he's a really cool dude, and I think he makes a lot of cool movies. I really love Especially his niche movies like. Um Dude, the, the Chronicles of Riddick Chronicles series Riddick. Why did I almost is, is forget so that? great. Yeah. Um, and, of course, his vocal performances as the Iron Giant. And, and, and uh, Groot. Groot. But... Um, he is Groot. Yeah. So going back through that, though, I do want to kind of go through... Because the Game Awards are what they are in this panel of judges, and it comes down to being a thing about uh, the the awards being handed out by those people, we have our own award stuff that we're going to do, and we handle that ourselves. Um, so what we're going to do instead is not really go through and talk about what we think about the awards that were given, other than potentially Game of the Year, because it was a little interesting. Um, just you don't have to, but we might. Um, going through that, though... Because the night ends up being primarily focused on reveals, we are going to talk about the reveals, and that's going to be kind of uh, our impressions off of that. So like Saul said, this is a little bit more of a relaxed episode. Uh, It's going to be a little bit quicker. We kind of got to get done here in in, in a little bit so he can get going. So we're going to just kind of cover our general thoughts. It's going to be a little more relaxed episode. But (laughs) go for it, Saul. There's a new Xbox, and holy hell, did they lead it off with the best game they could lead it off with. That Hellblade trailer, I think I've watched that trailer four times now. Oh, I haven't. Once once was enough. I didn't no. need I haven't watched anything from the Game Awards multiple oh. times. So to be no, sure. that's it. That's all I've watched multiple times was the Hellblade trailer. Me and Brett, we really both enjoyed Hellblade to so much to the extent that that was one of the uh, videos we did impressions on. And we kinda only did that last year for games we thoroughly enjoyed except for Far Cry five, but we were kind of trying to make a trend out of it, but Far Cry five was an interesting one because I think when we immediately came off of it. We were a little bit more of like the, not what exactly we wanted, but it just kind of happened. But still, Far Cry 5 is less of a uh, highlight of the series Yeah, in retrospect. But So we, we both loved Hellblade, and we both were shocked at um, 
E3 two years ago where they announced that Hellblade would be in fact or Ninja Theory would be in fact being bought by Microsoft and it's good it was a really good surprise to see that hey this looks like it's keeping in the roots of the game we'll see when the actual game comes out but that by far that was the biggest news is that no one thought that the Game Awards would be a place to announce a next gen console and Microsoft did it. Do you remember a couple weeks back there was a thing where someone said that Microsoft is trying to surprise Sony I think this was what he was talking about. That makes sense. I think this was it. Because the thing about it is, is that Sony kind of won up Microsoft last, uh, beginning of this coming, this generation, when they beat Microsoft to revealing the console first. Oh, well, not only that, but the whole E3 stuff around it. Of course, of course. But it was, it was one after another. It came from being announced first to doing much better at E3 with the way things were going, uh, to being, and not only announced first, I should go back, announced first, its announcement was handled by many people in the industry. It was, and even fans, it was found to be handled better than the Microsoft reveal of the Xbox One, uh, just because of the way that they focused on. Sony was all about the tech and the games. Microsoft was about, hey, there's a little bit of tech and a little bit of games, and we're going to talk about all this entertainment. And here's stuff. this TV stuff. Yes. So and so, regardless of what we think, the mass of of gaming did not care for that too much. All the way to E3 being. Uh, considered to be won by PlayStation for that, if you want to consider that a thing, all the way down to PlayStation releasing for $100 less to um, also being a more powerful console and releasing a week ahead. So when you look at all of those things, I think think Microsoft said, aside from everything else that we've done to this generation, there's also a benefit at the start of a new generation and coming first. Uh, You get... And the thing is, is while they both have announced... Technically, Sony announced the PlayStation 5 plans before Microsoft did. But Microsoft showed the system and gave the specs before Sony did. So you kind of get in an area where it's... I do think, though, that like Microsoft's massive misstep, which was the DRM stuff, is what pushed many people to change. Yeah. I'm really curious to see... Because somebody said it on Twitter, and I forgot who said it, but they said that this is going to be the first time in this generation that we're actually going to see true console wars because they felt that it was completely destroyed by what Microsoft was trying to do. Well, they almost sabotaged themselves, where now this is going to be an even playing field for both of these people to compete. Coming into the generation, I think that I agree so far. That's what, um, that's what they were talking about. Yeah, because about. you're right, PS3 and 360 Gen, which ended up actually being a fantastic, if you want to look at console wars, uh, if you wanted to give it that concept of each one Two trying to do something. Fatal it, flaws in each system. Yeah, so you had the PS3 that came out and, and had to fight its to hell to get itself back up, which I think is part of what made well, the 360 Gen. I was talking about the, the red ring versus the hacking. That's true as well. Yeah, two uh, two very yeah massive flaws. But also the fact that you know PlayStation messed up so much coming in, and Xbox capitalized on that. Uh, and that's the, a, a great reversal play they did this gen, where yeah, Xbox very messed up, and, and now they did it. So now I was curious yeah. to see what will happen. So either way, I think uh, if we want to kind of quickly talk about the Xbox, um, I think that we we've seen that the design came out, and the design has been divisive. Um, but I'll give Xbox credit for this. I don't think this is a moment where Xbox is putting the system out and it's not actually the final system design and they're going to change it. I don't think that that's any of their intent. I do think that this is what they plan to launch with. But I think they're in a little bit of a thing where they're looking at this and going, yes, this is odd. Yes, this is different. People are going to obviously have things to say about this. And there has been a litany of memes about it. But it does come into my mindset as one thing that I think some people will agree with and won't agree with. 
But I think Microsoft may be looking at this from the standpoint of all publicity is good publicity in this case. Because yeah. if, if you're really looking at it, it's just a design. It's something that's already so opinionative. Yeah, I mean, it's... And that it, at this point, even if someone doesn't like it and they just make a joke about it, all you're doing is putting that design in more people's face. And regardless of how the person who posted the meme feels about it, the person who's seeing it could love the design, still think it's funny, laugh it out, and then be more reinforced be like, I like that design. Well, you know what's funny is that Josh at work, he actually said something that was interesting. Because I said it looks like a small PC tower. There it, are PC towers that look very similar to this. Exactly. And like he it. said it makes sense for that, right? Because they're Microsoft. They make computers. And yeah. I was like, oh, you know what? That does make sense. Yeah, and I thought that as soon as it happened. Something cool, though is that it's come out now that you can adjust the light on the top, which means you could probably brighten it, dim it, turn it off. Cool. That has inspired me now that um, that with a PS or the Xbox Series X and the PS5, I'm going to put RGB on my PS5 onto the back side of it if I can stand it up straight so that I can have blue reflect on the wall when I'm playing my PS5 and have green reflect up if I'm playing my Xbox. <laughs> there you go. But... Yeah, like I, I was thoroughly surprised with it. Granted, there's no major missteps with this console at all. If it ticks a, a few of my boxes, I'll definitely buy it day one. I do um, want to step, step back real quick. I meant to say this. I'm sorry to derail this. Uh, this is more of a we haven't had a chance to talk about that. I do agree that I really love the Sinuous uh, Sinuous Saga as they're going to yeah. call it, Hellblade Two uh, reveal, just because I love the first game. Yeah, but this does come into a real thing. How do you feel about there being a sequel to this game? Were you always wanting one, or were because I've I've seen compelling arguments on both sides, and I agree to an extent. I think that with I kind of was okay with it being a singular off game because the ending is so a sequel never strong. hurts unless the sequel's bad. So you're in the stance of you're all for it until the sequel proves otherwise. Yes. Okay. Here and here's the th- here's the reasoning behind that. Because somebody said on uh, Reddit, they said it would be interesting if that the whole entire first game you know you're dealing with her with everything negative in her life what if this is her turning it into rage and this is the I mean, side that, of yeah. anger we get to see of her instead of depression and stuff like that well i think the first game handled how she turns her depression and stuff into rage that she can use to her benefit right but um, it was still depression that was using but that. Yeah. this is now rage as her fuel so because someone also know. made it a good point it's that of course one. everything we saw in the trailer is likely not to actually be there yeah who it's knows all manifest who, who, manifestation who of her mind so but yeah we don't we, know we still don't know yeah but, so yeah I'll, i just I'll, thought that was interesting because I'm, i exist in between i actually do think i remember finishing the first game and thinking I would I would like a sequel just because of the human nature of when you love something you just want, you want to see more, more of, it? of it. Yeah. But then there's the other side of things get franchised uh, too quickly and it gets to the point of where there is a lot of things that exist and the, when you see the one you go that that was it. Oh, there's a lot of that. And the moment you put something out it doesn't mean that it's bad. It's kind of like the Saw franchise. It doesn't matter for it's movies. I know it's a completely different thing, but it doesn't matter that they that the 2 through 7 were a varying They're qualities. They're just milking it. It's just that it's just that the first idea was so unique and interesting that it clicked with everybody and I think after that a lot of the movies is kind of like it's still like I like it cuz it's more of what I already liked, but the first one had something that they were it, it had a soul and the rest of them we're trying to chase that soul. Well, I think it. I think, and, it was, and that's a that's and to, again to, to varying degrees of success. But I think that I think of it as the same as Horizon. People want a Horizon sequel. It's the very same kind of game. And actually, because of the endings, very the literal ending scenes, I actually agree that. It, but Horizon was clearly going to get a sequel because it was a massive seller. Hellblade, that's, as much see, as I loved isn't it, isn't that the wrong reason to make a sequel? Like you were saying, it is. It's, yeah. a, it's a completely wrong reason yeah. to make a sequel. But see, Hellblade. Well, okay, I want to say that, I'm going to take that back real quick. I agree to some extent the Horizon does, but the one thing is that Horizon left questions unanswered on purpose. But then they put it in DLC, which was stupid. 
I haven't played the DLC, so I'm still that's unsure as to how that goes. That's what it is. I had to look into it before wasting my time. Okay. Well, then that, then, that's, then that was a misstep. Yes. I, I, I just don't want to speak on the DLC that I haven't played. Now, um, I don't know what, what happens in the DLC because I didn't look into it in case I ever do mm-hmm. want to play it. Cause it so it could be open-ended. And it could, yes. it could with I'm not going to say anything about the end of Horizon, but just in case, like, it could end up dealing with that entity hmm? and then that entity could be back at the end of that dlc or something i Who don't knows? know yeah, but a, but um go, going back to my basic thing too and i, I will get off hellblade in just a second i just i find this one interesting for a number of reasons um do you have any fears and this is i want to give microsoft credit real quick for something there's no telling whether or not we would have gotten a sequel to hellblade even if ninja theory wanted to do it had it not been for microsoft buying them out because as much as the game was fantastic and did get a lot of awards and got a lot of attention, I still don't recall it selling all that well. No, Hellblade was not a big seller. So when you look at it from that standpoint, and it was a very low-budgeted game, so it, it might have still broke even, but not enough to justify them wanting to try again with the risk of the second one not doing as good. But with that said, I want to give Microsoft a little bit of, of, of props of them buying a studio, and I presume... Because Hellblade was not a big seller, I presume this is Microsoft letting Ninja Theory do what they wanted to do next, and Ninja Theory going, we think we have more to contribute to this and story. And tell the story. And Microsoft going, hey, you, you know how the first game you had to do that with a very thin budget and a lot of creative things? We're going to give you all the budget you need to do this the right way. Boy, which brings I can't me, imagine what they would make with which the big bring, budget. <laughs> which brings me to my actual last concern about it, and then we can move on, is as excited as I am because of the, all the possibilities there are parts of me that worry that part of what I found so charming about Hellblade was the was how much they had to exercise the side of art where you l- let your limitations determine where what you're going to lean into. You can still do and that. And when you when you have without, a budget, but without that, a budget, that's small. When though. you have a budget that's not driving your inability to do things that you otherwise would do that you see other games doing, you instead find interesting and unique things to do. You can, um, you can still pull off something that they do like that uh, you can. with a higher Ab- budget. You absolutely you can. It's just a will they or won't they and that's the that's exactly where I'm at. I, I don't don't wrong. I am 100% excited for the game. There is just those parts of me that think sometimes of, and I've had this discussion with Blake, uh, one of our, our Discord friends, and stuff uh, plenty of times of, I feel like often things are franchised when they don't need to be, but regardless, as somebody who loves them, does there need to be another Kingdom Hearts game? Absolutely there doesn't, if I'm being dead honest. As someone who loves Kingdom Hearts, but Kingdom Hearts 2 is the best one of the series. Am I excited Anyways, that there's going to uh, be? <laughs> oh, we're going to fight. Anyway. So I, I figure, okay, so we got that release, and I figure what we'll do is we'll talk about a couple of our other favorite uh announcements and then we can very quickly list off the winners for every category i'm not really worried about winners for every category because again i don't really uh, it's, it, it'll take two seconds for the, i don't care to, but to uh, exclude, do you, so do you have a list that's a recap of all the announcements i i don't i have a list of the winners okay, um, i was just curious but yeah so um let us know what you thought of, of the xbox reveal in the comments below if uh if that's your thing um anyway i'm gonna go through this we have quite a few people um, in our discord excited for it myself if if they fulfill their promise of keeping full backwards compatibility all the way back to the original and uh if i have a digital marketplace where i could buy like (laughs) Knights of the republic one and two and stuff like that day one for me that'll be my way back machine thankfully reddit has a nice little mega thread so i appreciate that good luck loading into that thing oh really have you clicked on it already yeah is it it's taking that long to load? It did not load for me um, earlier. Bang bang! 
Here we it are. Took forever. Saul's laptop sucks. It all just right. took you thirty seconds <laughs> to load into a web page. Anyway, all right. So here we are. Just want to make sure we don't forget about some things. There's a couple of things that I thought was really interesting. First thing I want to come to, which I think was really cool to see, is of course. I don't think anything was going to match the announcement of a new console or a thing like that. It's never been done before. Really interesting move. Um, but what we can say is that in lieu of there being a full console reveal or anything like that from uh, from Sony, we did at least get word of a PS5 game that's not from One Sony First Party really cool. either. Uh, so interesting. Godfall, if you want to check that out. They're calling it a looter slasher. It looks a lot like it's trying to take the ideas of uh, Warframe, which I think would, is somewhere between a looter shooter and a looter sla- uh, slasher. Take, take Warframe and turn it into God of War. Uh, a little bit more, yeah. Uh, and it was interesting because when they first started showing it, it... it I almost made me wonder, like, is, wait, is this more of Babylon's Fall? Because the thing about Babylon's Fall's tra- a teaser trailer is it was very muted colors and, like, bronze and gold that you'd expect yes. from that time period with darkness. And then when we got into the gameplay, which has been quite a long time since the teaser, it was clearly vi- there's vibrant. been some change. There was vibrant colors yeah. and stuff like that. Uh, so it started making me wonder when I started seeing this. I was like, wait a minute, is this more of that? Just to find out it's Godfall. Um, interesting. Sounds like from everything that we're seeing, it's going to be a PS5 exclusive. So very likely going to launch a uh, console exclusive. I should say it will be on PC. Uh, it will launch alongside the PlayStation five is what it sounds like. Uh, it says, uh, you know, d- uh, late 2020, which essentially hope, is PS5. That's a good game. Uh, it, it seems like a good launch title. Makes sense. Uh, Warframe for anybody who doesn't know was a launch title and we see how far that's come. So mm-hmm. think about that. Um, so of course there was that, uh, control is getting its, uh, expansions. Um, Good on control. I think that it, it. I'm glad that it was around in there. I think it was a great game, uh, and it actually won IGN's Game of the Year, That's which a, game a lot of people had a lot of interesting situations. You didn't play it, right? No, but okay. I want to play it soon. Yeah, it's a very good game. Um, so, and it very likely the few problems that can, that I had with it from a performance standpoint are very likely fixed. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, good so. time to come into it. Now, here's one of the weird uh, things that really. Re- surprised me i think a lot of people and we we're kind of bummed the weird little 90s anime trailer that oh, started man. and yeah. for because we're a family podcast we're going to throw it in here real quick but in the family friendly way uh gd superheroes gosh darn superheroes gosh darn superheroes uh that I thought looked that, so cool and don't get me wrong this comes from the fact that i have no history with no more heroes as a franchise it's i've a, seen it it's forever a good, it's a good game but immediately one. i went from being interested as hell to not excited. To not excited at all. <laughs> and it really was kind of a bummer. And I, I and I think there was across the board, I think there was people who were very excited for uh, the, for uh, Hillmore like Heroes the 3. Digimon movie. Also because of the return of, of Travis as a character playable in the thing. Which I think he was the voice of the alien. Probably. The adult alien. Yeah, probably. But it was just really interesting. I um, actually watched that trailer again because I had to show Josh. I Technically, I did too um, because I watched somebody's reaction to it. Yeah. So inadvertently, I did because I was curious too. I was like, did other people have the same reaction as we did? Like where they were sad about it? I bet, I bet it was. Wasn't well, it? at least like or disappointed. Yeah. yeah, I was disappointed. Like even if you're not sad because you like No More Heroes three, it's like, but that still means that the first part of this doesn't exist. Yeah, like I was sad enough that like I said in Discord, I was like, this is like PT two point Like I, I actually wanted that game really badly. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it, all, all I can hope for is that people is it, that the people behind No More Heroes see it and go, you know what, Suda fifty one. Yeah, they can make that. They can make that we, we just, Now we just need to make this into a real game. Or movie. That that looked more like a or movie because there was no gameplay. I wouldn't gameplay. care either way. Yeah. I thought both of them were very cool. 
There were so you know we'll see. It looked like a combination of Devil May Cry Baby and Jesus on the movie. Yeah, uh, we did get a, a new Final Fantasy VII remake trailer. Uh, though I think the uh, I I personally think that when you're surrounded by a lot of new announcements, it's a little harder to stand out as much. So while I I have no problem seeing more Final Fantasy VII because I think a lot of people need to to understand exactly what they're changing, uh, I think it still looks good. I just think it ends up being. I swear, Badger. another dot in the road. You I know swear, I mean? Badger from Breaking Bad voices wedge in that. I swear that's him. <laughs> when you said it, I was like, I kind of hear it. So maybe. Uh, going up next, uh, Theros Beyond Death, which is a new Magic the Gathering thing. I don't know anything about Magic the Gathering, so I'm going to let Saul kind of take over that one. Uh, that's actually part of a set that I stopped playing right into, kind of. It's a really cool set with really cool art involving gods. Uh, as far as the game goes, I don't know if it's going to be a Duels of the Planeswalker game or what. So Yeah, hard to say from just the trailer, which yeah. just happens a lot in this, right? It kind of ends up being that weird thing. Um, there was a Magic MMO game coming out, too. There is also. Uh, uh, yeah. That was announced at uh, the Game Awards. Yes. Um, so let's see. I want to make sure I'm saying the right ones because there's a, there's a couple of them. Um so there was the Ruined King, A League of Legends story. I don't remember that at all. And this oh, wait, is, yeah, this yeah, is the one that was just a little teaser trailer going through, and it didn't have anything else. There was I, no I, I, I purposely tried to forget that until now, so I don't break my habit of the addiction now, that is League of Legends. Here's the thing. I have no anything of League of Legends. I know you did, so yeah. it, you stand on a much different spot of this. Uh, League of Legends is something I know a lot of people like. Mm-hmm. I would be this. This is the way that you get me to come into it and be excited because you're showing me uh, a trailer that shows the art style of somebody I really love. As soon as the trailer started, I said, "I'm pretty sure this is Airship Syndicate, and this is uh, th- their head artist." And I'm, I'm actually forgetting his name, Joe Manji, and something like that. But anyway. Uh, I love it, and I, I love the idea behind that. So depending on what they end up doing, it, this is a way to get people who are otherwise uninitiated in League of Legends into League of Legends, and this is a good way to go about doing it. Um, so I like the idea. I like Airship Syndicate. It looks like everything they've done with uh, uh, Darksiders Genesis has been mm-hmm. really well received, uh, as well as, of course, what they did with um, – I, I want to make sure I'm not butchering the name of it, but uh, what's it called? Uh, War – Night Stalkers or something. It's a game that Sean uh, loved, and I didn't get a chance to uh, play because it was a Switch title, I think, early on. Uh, Battle Chasers Night War. I I do think it's on PlayStation now. It's a 2017 game. Uh, and I think it was originally on Steam before coming over. It was a THQ Nordic game by the same team. Huh. Uh, And it's got... um, So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So... What else announcements we got, though? All right, other announcements we have in the way of this is... And don't you dare tell me you play League of Legends and you want me to play with you. Please don't do that. <laughs> okay. I'm telling uh, you, that's, a, that's, a, that's an addiction to break right there. We got new Ori in the Will of the Wisp trailer. Yes. Which looked fine. I mean, it looks fantastic. I think that the first Ori was also fantastic. I need to go back and finish it. I think that's a good announcement, actually. Uh, and part of what this leads into is that there was a decent... You know, like you talk about, you're very impressed up until the end. It's because there was a flow up until the end. Yeah. And then the end seemed to break the flow. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of tying back into it. Uh, still, great announcement. I was really curious to see if we were going to end up seeing The Will of the Wisp be a day one Switch title since they went ahead and moved the first one. I would be or curious. Or if they're going to wait. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do think that it will eventually end up on Switch. Who knows it's when. It's like that rumor of Halo collection coming to Switch. <laughs> Boy, if that happens, Won't you'll happen, never but. see me again. Uh, Weird West. So this is the game that is coming from WolfEye Studio, if I remember the name. Uh, and this is a team that used to be comprised, or the the, key, the team is comprised of people. The two heads used to be involved with Dishonored and Arcane Studios. Uh, and they did Dishonored and, of course, uh, Prey. Now, whether 
Prey was a very interesting game, and I, I and this game looks sick. This game looks really cool to me. I, it, it's a lot of it, it. Completely surprised me. I didn't expect it from the team behind it, but I'm all for it. It's a very top down third person isometric game uh, that's going through. It's kind of like a dungeon crawler, but also a little bit more involved. Like it's got some Metroid aspects to it, where you're going to go back and forth to places and get stuff done, which I love the idea of. Um, and of course, it just. There's something about the way that the style of every game that they are involved in. It's mm-hmm. always interesting to me. Uh, and as somebody who really loved Dishonored, and I think it was a really interesting series, and pray for all of the fact that they didn't sell that well and it didn't quite click with me, I still look at Prey as an example of something that is so stylistically, like I understood what it was trying to do, whether or not it was for me, and I think it was really cool what it was trying to do, whether or not it was for me. Uh, so go check that trailer out if, uh, if you didn't get a chance to already see it. It looks really good. Um, and I, I, I like to see people who are involved with big franchises that didn't quite hit where they should have gone going off and making smaller projects instead of just bowing to join into a company that they could easily get by on. I like seeing people push their creativity, and this looks like what that is to me. Um, so Path of the Warrior is a, a Oculus Quest game. It's going to just essentially be a um, little... 2D, no, I'll say 2D. It's like a brawler turned into a, a 3D VR game. So who knows if that'll come to anything else. It's probably going to just be an Oculus Quest game. If I remember, it's made by the Oculus team. So probably an exclusive, but still something to see. And then, of course, we get to one of the big moments of the night as well, Ghost of Tsushima's extended gameplay trailer. Now, this goes back to what we were talking about uh, with State of Play as it being weird that they chose to show a trailer for a trailer. But let's just pretend that didn't happen, and let's just talk about the fact that this was a new gameplay trailer. It was a very beautiful trailer. That's well. So has this changed any of your opinions on the game going into it? Because we've both been already hyped for it from what we've seen. No, no the only thing that disappointed <laughs> with this is we didn't get a solid release date. Yeah, and I didn't expect to, and I know a lot of people really did, but... Because they're so vague with what they gave us, because summer could be May, June, July, August, September. Well, I mean... Maybe just till August, but still, four months. But you still end up in this weird situation, and summer's different everywhere, right? That kind of gets to be the weird thing. Seasons are not the same depending on where you are. Uh, I'm still going to lead it to the point of, it's very likely that they mean Q3. Yeah. Or or late Q2. Uh, But I'm going to say third quarter uh, for this. And that makes sense. Uh, the fact that they didn't put a date on it is par for the course for me. Uh, I don't knowing Sony and how, how weird they've been about putting dates on things. They just did that for last of us. Though. They would not have put a date on last of us. I guarantee it. And it comes down to where you are in a conspiracy on this, but I don't think they would have let you think they of, only put a date on cause it was going to set a play. No, I think they put a date. I think that they put a date on it because they actually thought that was the date they were going to hit, and it was within a three month window. Sony's been very particular about putting things, uh, giving a date to things within three months of their release, and sometimes was closer last, was than a three that. Month window, window. It was pretty much. I think it was five months. I didn't think it was a February original February release date. They, they announced that two months ago. Yeah, was that what it was? Or if, they're, sure. if they're that far out, for some reason I was thinking that was a, um, a, a early November thing. So about three and a half months out. I don't think it was. I thought that Let's was before see. Halloween. You might be right. And if you are, then I'm, my memory is failing me right now. Uh, September 24th. You were absolutely right. Wow, that's than I even farther back than I yeah. expected. So, yeah, actually interesting. I'm surprised they didn't give a release date for it then. Um, but, yeah, hmm. and I could see after having to delay Last of Us them being kind of worried about having to do so. Yeah. Well, the reason I go back to that is we heard a story whenever the, the Last of Us delay was coming. We heard a story from Jason Schreier saying that Ghost of Tsushima got moved back internally because of that. I think that clearly we're seeing that this is the result of that, as well as the fact that uh, 
they already have to do it for one game. They don't want to put a date on it, just have to delay it again. Uh, but part of the reason I say it, it, uh, it feels par for the course for me, even though I was wrong about the Last of Us 2 thing, um, is that we didn't see a release date for God of War until very close to God of War. We didn't see a release date for Detroit Become Human until very close to Detroit Become Human. Uh, we didn't, you know, it, it's, I, I kind of get it. Like, yeah. they, were, they were burned so many times early generation, and a lot of people didn't like it, that, they're, that they don't want to delay unless they absolutely have to, and they don't want to put a date on something until they feel like there's not a chance for no delay happen. The Last of Us 2 is a very weird situation that they were so confident to put a date on it, and Sony was like, okay, we, we trust that you're getting this date just to come back a month later and say, never mind, we're gonna have to, we are going to have to delay It's it. also crazy because didn't they put like a watch on Twitter and it was um, Joel's watch and it was like 2.15 on the clock? Mm-hmm. Then that wasn't the, that wasn't the yeah. date. That's also what everybody weird. thought. Personally, that was just a curveball. It was like, hey, here's the release date. Yeah, or probably. Here's what people were going to think of the release date. But interesting to see nonetheless. So... Yeah, odd thing to see there. We're going to go through the rest of these real quick. Uh, New World Eternum. That was the game that is... Uh, it's an MMO by Amazon Studio that's been oh, yeah. teased for a long time. Uh, I, just, I thought I, the trailer was fantastic. Dude, Doesn't I'm tell us you, much in the way of it gameplay. It looks like Civ. But it... it well, no, no, no. New World is the one that had the trailer where the uh, people were going up and touching the red stone and it was ste- like stealing their soul. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Now, this isn't the one that you're talking about. The, you're talking, talking about, about the game that was... Uh, the other one where you shift the world. Yeah, and I can't remember what it was called now, and I don't see it on this list, surprisingly. So maybe I'm forgetting what it was part of. Uh, but yes, I do know what you're talking about. But this is the MMO that was from Amazon Studio that they started up. And I actually think the weird thing about this uh, about this year is there's been a ton of new MMO announcements. So I don't know if MMOs are starting to come around as the, um, as the revived gameplay genre. Well, it's funny. Our it's, game genre, because it really surprised me that there that we have not only a, a, a ton of established MMOs that are still doing well, World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy fourteen online. You have games like uh, Black Desert Online coming out and finding their footing. You still have the Elder Scrolls Online. These are all big ones. Then you also go, and that's not even counting things like DC Universe Online. But then you come back through, and we got we got uh, a new. Um, MMO announced for Magic the Gathering. We got a new MMO announced from them. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's surprising to me that we're seeing these come back around in such strong force. Yeah. And, and, and of course, somebody on Reddit said, and it's so true, when you get card games and MMO trailers, you get lots of CGI movies. <laughs> you definitely do. And they're always cool, and that's the problem. That is the is problem. I really love the trailer, but the trailer gave me no information about the game outside of an idea of what the world might look like. Yeah. So. Which I do, the aesthetic is cool. It just comes down to why do we always get those things? I, mean, I get it to an extent. It's very rare that you can show me a MMO and make it look compelling through gameplay because it's, MMOs are more about slow grinding and it's what people like about them. But they did don't I, make for necessarily exciting trailers. Did I dream that Civ game? No, I know what you're talking about. And it's just, I, I don't think it was shown during the, the Game Awards. That's what I can't remember. Oh, the pre-show probably. I think it was pre-show. And I'm not sure if that shows up in this or not. Probably not. Um, so Looked really cool though. It looked like a combination of Civ and some other games. Yes, exactly. So, uh, okay, last couple of ones here. Uh, Surgeon Simulator 2, which very well may come to PSVR. The re-announcement of The Wolf Among Us 2, which I'm extremely excited for. Uh, regardless of how you feel about Telltale Games and uh, the fact that they're back, uh, 
I think that if you've never played The Wolf Among Us, it is clearly the best example of a Telltale game. Uh, and I was more surprised that even though I liked a few other Telltale games all right, that was clearly my favorite. There was a couple of other people in the chat that mentioned that the um, that Telltale games didn't normally work for them, but The Wolf Among Us was a good game for them. I always wanted to play that one. You should definitely play it. It's very cheap. It's a fantastic game. Hmm. Yeah, it is older. It's, it's, it's technically it's a last-gen game. It's a, it's one of the early Telltale games. Yeah, it's it's in Games Pass, yeah. so I can play it without any yeah. consequence. So yeah, I, I would definitely do it. It's fantastic. And then of course we ended off with Fast and Furious Crossroads, which is a trailer we've right. already talked about. Um, you know, there was a couple of other things that was talked about. I think uh, these were the pre-show ones, uh, which was New World. I think is the game that you're talking about, Saul. Does that sound right? I thought that was the name of the Amazon game. No, no. Oh, sorry. You're right. It is New World Eternum. Um, it's killing me. Why can't they see that's that? that's what I thought it was called? And then I was like, yeah. wait, no, that's you're the Amazon right. MMO because okay. me and Blake were talking about it. Uh, anyway, so going back, one of the things I think was shown during the uh, pre-show was that Bravely Default Two, or was that shown during the main show? That was shown during the main show, Bravely okay, Default. There you two go. Was. So I know that Saw, of course, was like very excited about that. Uh, I called it the second I heard that music. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Immediately, um, humankind is the game that you're talking about. It's humankind. the one. That, it's the one that had the avatar system. Yes, they were talking about. So, so yes, humankind. I, I will run through the winners real, real briefly. I won't. I won't really announce what other, uh, like what other contenders were in this cat in these categories. Mainly due to the fact that even if I did announce the uh, contenders, like if I go through a performance, it doesn't tell them what their performance. Like uh, Matthew Peretta, it doesn't tell you what he was performing for. So I don't know what games to go with that. So it just makes it easier to just go through the line and, and give you the category <laughs> and the winner. So. We'll start in the order I believe this website has as what was uh, talked about in the Game Awards. We had the best VRAR game, and that would be Beat Saber. They won that category. Strategy game, the winner of that category was Fire Emblem Three Houses. Sports slash racing game, a really unexpected victory for Crash Team Racing Nitro Fueled. Yeah. So that's not, not, not the only surprises throughout tonight uh, or that night. Score and music, we have Death Stranding, absolutely worth it. Role-playing game, we have Disco Elysium being the winner for that one. That game getting so many awards made me want to try it. I want to play it now. That There's that and Gris. I want to go through and yeah, play that. Yeah, I've been wanting to play Gris. I haven't had a chance to play it yet. Uh, best performance was Mads Mikkelsen. I'm going to say that is for Death Stranding as well. Ongoing Definitely game, is. we have Fortnite. Narrative, Disco Elysium with their second win of the of the night that night. Uh, multiplayer game winner for that one was Apex Legends. Mobile game the winner for that category was Call of Duty Mobile. Independent game we have the third win of the night for Disco Elysium. Games for Impact we have Gris. I'm actually surprised that was not Elysium was not on that list too because I heard, I heard that game's really emotional. No, I thought that I thought that games for oh you're right it was Gris you're right yeah. Game direction, the winner of this category was Death Stranding. Which can, I, I want to stop on that one real quick. That is one of the few ones. I don't like to talk about these too much. There are people that felt like, no, absolutely. Regardless of how you feel about that game, the direction was tight yes. and on purpose. And nothing in that game felt like it was on accident. Yep. So regardless of how you feel about so it, I think that is a clear, tightly so, created. looking at somebody who had a clear direction and they followed it. Yep. I just want to say I actually agree with that one. There is a game in this category that I think should have won that was uh, 
fresh indie game, but the winner of that was the four, fourth time Disco Elysium won something. Yeah. Um, fighting game Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Whoa, one best fighting game, which is not to really any surprise to any any person. Family game, we got Luigi's Mansion 3, which was funny because every one of these games was a Nintendo game. And I want to go back to that, too. I know that this is a board of people that do this, but I think that's a really weird thing to do because the thing is, there's plenty of games that release this year that I think actually fall into a, a category. And I had some on my mind as soon as they were rolling through that I thought it was weird. There is a ton of games that are family friendly that are not on Nintendo consoles. Yeah. <laughs> that released this year, too. So just weird that that happened. I mean, good for Nintendo, but they might have they might have only put things that they know that, because this is voted for by people, right? No, uh, judges are the ones who vote for this. Okay, yeah, I don't council know of judges. Uh, best esports team was G two esports. Best esports player was Bugha. Bugha, yeah. Best esports host was um, Jocks Scocks. I don't know how to say this man's name, but it is S J O K S or Z. I'm sorry. Esports game of the year. <laughs> Misread that. League of Legends. I thought that said Legend of Zelda: Link's Awakening. Like what kind of what kind of uh, esports game is that? Esports coach of the year. That is that goes to Zonic. Content creator of the year. That goes to Shroud. Community support. That one goes to Destiny Two. Audio design. We have Modern Warfare pulling in another win. Art direction goes to Control, which was interesting, but deserved. I also, yeah, I do agree with that one. I actually think Gris should have won that off of what I've seen of Gris, but then again, I've not played Control, so. But action-adventure game, Sekiro, uh, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice. Action game, specific action game. This was weird. Uh, we have Devil May Cry 5, which makes good sense. Um, I do think Astral Chain should have won that one, but. You know. I actually agree with that, too. And then game of the year. Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, the biggest left field of them all. All I'll say is that regardless of where I feel like that game stands, it's nice to see that From Software actually finally got one because they've had a number of games that plenty of people true. considered to be game of the year just to be you could, uh, the, the word that gets pulled out at this time of the year, snubbed. You could tell uh, Miyazaki did not prepare a speech for yeah. that night because he just stood there for a second when they asked him what, uh, what did he want to say anything before his translator even started listening. He was like, like uh, uh, he was having to think of something. But yeah, uh, yeah out of these games that I've played, uh, Death Stranding, Resident Evil 2, um, Smash Brothers Ultimate, I'm going to disregard that though uh but yeah out of death stranding and resident evil 2 sekiro sekiro is definitely not a choice i think i enjoyed resident evil 2 more so but yeah that's actually interesting because i really thought that and I, I knew that it didn't click with you that way but i really thought that resident or that uh sekiro was going to be a big game for you sekiro was really really good but not good enough for me to finish yeah i mean that's actually exactly where i stand on it so. i still need to get around to playing it uh but there's nothing to motivate me to play it which i, that, I think those two statements say a lot but all right so we'll go christmas shop uh, yeah. We're going to wrap things up here. So, again, get your list in for Game of the Year stuff. We, of course, love to see that. We've get already had some in. of you send them in, so we appreciate that. Uh, we're going to get those all counted up. And, of course, we are going to be doing that as our last episode of the year. So just uh, keep that in mind. That's what we always yeah. do. We aim to do it as the last episode of the year, and it works this year Yeah, the in, next, a, in a good way anyway. The next two episodes will be Game of the Decade and the Game of the Year. <clears throat> so we thought that would be an interesting way to do it. And, uh, yeah. So um, – 
On top of that, though, if you like the show and you're listening to this on podcast services, consider giving us a review. Let's people know what you liked and didn't like about the show. Let's us know what you did and didn't like about the show. But mainly, it lets people know whether they should give this show their time or not, which, of course, we leave up to you to tell them whether they should or shouldn't. Uh, if you have anything that you'd like to talk to us about in, in regards to the show, talk to us down in the comments below. If you're on YouTube, if you're on Podbean, you can, of course, throw them down there. Or you can join the Discord and, uh, and hit the uh, podcast discussion thread. And, of course, be part of the community taking the thread across any of the social media platforms. But we're going to wrap this up the nice way. Merry Christmas times to everybody still. Yes. We love it. I, I'm kind of going to miss this set just because it's relaxing and fun. We still got um, two more videos with it, though. We still got two more. So, anyway, thanks, guys. Yet. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> thanks to our patrons, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan. Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Eric McAllister, Matt Sycamore, Funk Turkey, Danny Villobos, Sha- uh, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Coy Live, Philip Laguerre, Corey Hickerson, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, Tyler Powers, Dylan Kirby, and San Coffin. If you would like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash nartech and look at the options we have. Thank you.